Hello and welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and of course, Andy is here with me again today. I love the confidence in the of course. It, you like, like I it? said, it just gives me such warm fuzzies it, in my tum-tums. It, it might be my go-to for a while. Thank I don't know. You. I was thinking when we when we first started podcasting together, I was like, I'm going to introduce Andy a different way every episode. You did that with the intro songs at the beginning. You're like, why did I do this? Why did I do this in 2015? And then you started to do it again in 2023. You're like, what if I did a new one every time? Not learning from any previous mistake. This is what I do. And if you guys are longtime listeners, you probably already figured that out. I wide, I wide, I ride waves of inspiration. Okay. And sometimes they crash hard. And sometimes those waves don't come back. Listen, I swing for the fences. Usually they do. Swing for the fences. You, you, you're going to hit a home run sometimes. That's, that's the advice I give anybody that's content creator. And if you feel like working on a project seven days in a row, do it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel like doing anything, don't do it. Well, I mean, I don't know. That can get that can get a little carried out of hand. You, I've, I, I, you I gotta give yourself to, deadlines. Yes, you have to have you have to have <laughs> deadlines as a creator because it's like creative people need time to sit and do nothing. You need time to recharge. But no, take some time. Work on a project. Make something. Exactly. But fucking finish a project. Yeah. Fucking f- <laughs> don't keep project. starting new ones. <laughs> oh, ADD issues. I definitely right, don't Andy? definitely don't have like three script treatments right. going right now right. instead of actually getting a script going. For <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. We definitely don't have like three podcasts we're not doing right now. But uh, sorry, guys. But we are back here on True Crime Guys, regular, uh, proper platform here on the free platform for one more week next week we're going to be on patreon and we will be doing headlines and shenanigans over here andy oh we've already got a couple stories man you've talked about we've got we're gonna have to we're gonna decide whether we're doing more headlines or more shenanigans this time well i'm a fan of both honestly (laughs) uh last week if you guys are unaware we covered gypsy rose blanchard uh you may have heard uh, a thing or two in the news recent gypsy yeah recent (laughs) pop sensation recent (laughs) Recent pop culture (laughs) sensation gypsy rose blanchard Recently released from prison, straight into Hollywood, apparently. Straight into everyone's uh, Instagram Straight feel. into everyone's Instagram, every talk show uh, available. Mm-hmm. Dr. Phil had her first, though. I back, yeah, yeah, Dr. Phil, of course he did. Yeah, Dr. Phil has made uh, a lot of regular people famous. Unfortunately. Yeah. He's and, made a lot of the wrong people famous. What are you talking about? You're talking about Bad Barbie, I feel like. I don't even... Yeah, listen, Michael, we're not plugging that. We're not plugging that. <laughs> are you talking about Cash Me Outside? I don't want to hear from those agents. I think... <laughs> but anyways, guys, this week we are covering the very puzzling case of Charles or Chuck Morgan. Um, a very strange death. Unsolved. So just be aware of that. Me and Andy talked in... Since we're, uh, we haven't been doing a lot of cases on Strange and Unexplained lately, we thought, well, we do a couple unsolved crimes on True Crime Guys, right? I mean, sometimes those are still some of the more interesting things to talk about. Oh, absolutely, because like, we get to have hard opinions. It's like, we can give no you all can the facts. No one can tell us we're wrong. Yeah, we can give you facts yeah. all day long, but that requires us to do research. But sometimes we, we want to give you opinions well, on things. Which, which we did. <laughs> I have all the facts that, well, that are available, I think, at least uh, on the free web. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't have like CIA clearance or anything like that. No. That's a, that's a little hint to what this case may involve. Yeah. So uh, this this case has been labeled a suicide. Okay. So I guess technically it's solved, but it's one of the strangest suicides I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Honestly, I think we should just get into it, Andy. Anything I say right here, I'm just going to have to repeat in the main part of the show. I feel like there's too many things that you could have to say right now to give yeah. a quick overview. Exactly. There's, you need to hear the whole picture. Let's just roll the intro. All right, cool. All right, hit it.
So let's get into it, Andy. This case takes place in Arizona in the 1970s. I've Arizona. Been, okay? I've been there one time. It was a, it was a pretty it was a beautiful place. Yeah, but you weren't in 70s Arizona, Andy. Unfortunately, This was a no. special time, apparently, <laughs> uh, because Arizona was the place to funnel drugs and launder money. Because there were state laws which allowed people to purchase land through anonymous trust accounts, accidentally making Arizona the perfect state to hide large sums of money. Did you know that, Andy? Oh, it was like the Cayman Islands of, this, of the continental states. Pretty much. <laughs> and when this loophole got around, this area became a haven for organized crime. And caught in the wake were those poor little escrow agents. Aw, not the escrow agents. That's right. Like our man Charles Morgan here. Ooh, okay. On March 22nd. 1977. We're going to get right into the thick of it in Charles Morgan's life, right when things started getting weird. Okay? March 22nd, 1977. Charles Morgan, he was 29 years old at the time. He was an escrow agent living in Tucson, Arizona. He went missing. He was abducted on his way to work that morning, right after he dropped off his girls. Three days later, at 2 a.m., he finally made it back home. 2 a.m. in the morning. His his wife, Ruth, she's awakened uh, by the dog barking, she runs downstairs, and there's Charles standing in front of the doorway with plastic handcuffs hanging from each of his wrists and one around his ankle. Now, all the, most sources say plastic handcuffs, but what I think they mean is zip ties, Andy. I think I think that's more or less what yeah. this was. I, I, no one was trying to restrain him with toy handcuffs here. No, but no. I think I think that might be a common misconception. Maybe not. Maybe I'm over describing the situation. I mean, if they were like actual plastic handcuffs, I feel like this is just a weird bachelor party situation. It, but if they were, this yeah. is a way more interesting story. But no, I think you're honestly. really right. I think it's like zip tied. It's plastic hand restraints, basically. Right, right, right. Okay. Okay, I thought so too. I was just trying to clear that up. Now, Charles motioned toward his mouth. Apparently, he couldn't talk. So Ruth gave him a pen and paper, and old Chuck wrote down that there was a hallucinogenic drug painted in his throat that could destroy his nervous system if he spoke. You ever heard of this, Andy? Have you ever tried this before? Sounds like a Nicolas Cage movie. It's, it's like whatever the first word you say is enters your system, that starts your trip. 
Oh, it sounds like you speech be off. Like I said, yeah. like Nick Cage's like, speech <laughs> off. I can't, speech I can't off. speak or else my nervous system will <laughs> hallucinate my death. <laughs> okay, here's the thing, Andy. If somebody paints hallucinogenic in your throat, I feel, I feel like that shit's going to activate. It's in your throat. Yeah, it's a wet substance. It's not like it's in your teeth where you got to right. crunch it. It just or has swallow. to get in your bloodstream, and I think it's going to have no problem doing that in your throat. Yeah, it's going to get swallowed. It's just going to dissolve mm-hmm. in there. Like I said, unless it's like it's not something solid that you have to bite down on or crunch. This is a hallucinogen. This is right. like acid, which is basically coming in a liquid form already. Right. It's it's, it's really weird. Now, Ruth's first instinct was to call the police or at least a physician of some kind, but Charles told her not to, and that would only put their family in danger. So Ruth had no choice but to nurse him back to health, and it would be a week before Chuck's voice would return. And when his voice came back, he told her that for the past two to three years, he had been working as a secret agent for the Treasury Department, the U.S. Treasury Department, and that his abductors took his Treasury ID, and that's pretty much all he would say. I will say this is probably... So far, this sounds like one of the most half-assed excuses for I don't have an excuse for where I've been. <laughs> just, so far, Andy. Just so you're coming not back being already. Like, just coming back being like, it's like the Walter White excuse. It's like, I yeah. went into a fugue state. <laughs> Where'd you're, you come back from? Uh, right on paper. Uh, hallucinogen in throat. <laughs> can't talk. Need two to three weeks to recover voice while <laughs> I think, think of, of, I mean, <laughs> while I erase, erase. <laughs> I can't believe you're already casting this shade on my man Chuck already. I'm just already, saying, Andy. I've 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 seen some better you scenarios. You are ruining so far. the facade of this whole episode. It's supposed to be all mysterious and creepy, and like, oh, this guy was tied to some deep shit. I'm gonna but say, you're ruining it. I'm just saying, like you're, I said, for any other, any, I feel like there's a lot of women listening right now, going like, that's the most half-assed excuse. Now, where have you been? Where have you been? <laughs> but no, but. Whatever happened to him, wherever he was, it must have stuck with him because he began sporting a bulletproof vest at all times and insisted that no one else could drive his girls to and from school each morning. But just two months later, old Chuck was reported missing again, Andy. (laughs) This time, after nine days, Ruth receives a phone call. It's a woman's voice. All it says is, quote, Chuck is all right. Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8. And then she hangs up. Again, this has got to be the most. This I feel like this wife is just being like, oh, "Okay, you motherfucker." What okay, the, look, this is, look, oh. look, look, look. If he did this shit himself, Andy, why would someone call on his behalf? You think he paid somebody off to make these strange phone calls? Like I said, I don't know. I'm just. I'm feeling like from the wife's perspective at this point. I feel like this has got to seem so flimsy at this point. It's like, oh yeah, where the she, fuck is he? Been? Where is he now? Where is he? And then oh, nine yeah, days later, some lady, his ass. some no. lady calls. Uh, Chuck is all right. No, but she Ecclesiastes. But his wife did testify that she believed that Chuck was completely loyal to her. Like she had no idea of an affair if he was having one. Like I said, he didn't feel like that at all. I feel like he's like like the Roy DeMeo just walking around with a shotgun everywhere. Like everyone's fucking out to get me. Oh God, Joe like Joe Pesci. These helicopters been following me all day. Right. Just the bulletproof vest. Like, dude, you got kidnapped and put like, apparently you got drugged and pulled out there. Nobody right. shot at you. Nobody pulled right. like a gun on you. But like I said, yeah. just, a, this seems like a weird excuse, but continue it here. It well, does. Let's see where the story goes. But yeah, so it says, so it says Chuck is all right. Okay. So I'm sure that puts her mind at ease nine days after he goes missing. Right. Now the Bible verse, Ecclesiastes 12, one through eight. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, I have that passage for you. And it's, it's quite ominous really. Um, 
It says, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach, when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are enclosed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the will broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, everything is meaningless. Now that is a NIV version, if I'm not mistaken. King James version, it's more or less the same, but I, I found it interesting that the last line is, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Well, I feel like there's probably a few more ifs and theyths in there, but yeah, I feel like that's probably a little bit more of a translation. That is the that is yeah. the King James translation of the of the last line. I, I'm also thinking it's like let's just give her a really long chapter to read. Maybe this will buy us a little more time. <laughs> let's just give her like an entire book of the Bible to read. <laughs> just. Jesus Christ. There is no pleasing you. I'm just saying, this so, is like, I, I'm trying no, it to is follow. Weird. It doesn't like, mean shit. No, it's it not doesn't. like a, it's not a short verse that gives like a parable or like a, a quick little line that's like, oh, that's like a riddle or that's like a no, clue. It's, it's, it's basically trying to put people at peace with death. Yeah. It's like, it's like a prophet. It's like a prophecy. It's like a yeah. long prophecy type deal. And it's, it, and like I said, it's not like a clue that you would get or anything like that. It's right, just right. weird. Like, what are you trying to tell me here? Yeah. Odd. But two days after that phone call, on June 18th, Chuck's body is discovered. 40 miles west of Tucson. Not far from his own car, which was a Mercury Cougar. By the way. Yeah, old Mercury Cougar. Uh, it appeared Charles Morgan had been shot in the back of the head by his own gun, which was a 357 Magnum. Now, he was found wearing the bulletproof vest that he was wearing all the time. He also had a belt buckle that concealed a knife. It was actually pretty dope. And a gun holster as well, obviously, for his 357. There was also a pair of sunglasses found at the scene that is reported to not been his. But how do people know that? You know, it's like, okay, his wife says it's not been... Well, you haven't seen him in nine to ten days. Yeah. Um, actually, I think it's 12 days at this point when he's, his body is found. You haven't seen him in 12 days. You don't think it's possible he could have bought another dollar, dollar store pair of sunglasses? Yeah. Uh, you would never know. No one would. Yeah, it's he's like driving they, around by himself, allegedly. They might not have originally belonged to him, but they may have been like his at the time. Yeah, exactly. And when investigators searched his car, they also found several weapons and a cache of ammunition. The car had also been altered so that it could be unlocked from the fender. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I think it was more of like a button that you could hit and immediately get to the trunk. I this, think where all the ammunition and shit is. If this I, feels if I very this correctly. much like Breaking Bad. Now this is it Walter really White's car pulling up in the back. There's with the fucking really M60 does. in the back. Now hold on, I'm not done confusing you, Andy. On the rear seat of the car was Chuck's tooth, one of his teeth, wrapped up in a white handkerchief. Okay, and there was also pinned to his underwear a two dollar bill with seven Spanish surnames and a map of the border area where he was drawn on it. The surnames were Acevedo, 
Bajarano, Cairo, Duarte, Encinas, Fuente, and Gradillas. The map led to the town's Robles Junction, an area that's in between Tucson and Mexico. Now, those towns had a reputation for smuggling, if you didn't know, Andy, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad or anything like that. Well, that was I'm not familiar with the Arizona territory. I'm more of a New Mexico kind of guy. Oh, yeah, Albuquerque, Mexico. Yeah, I'm more, yeah, that's right. That's I'm right. Very oh, what am I the thinking? Albuquerque, New Mexico trade. Get my states mixed up over here. <laughs> Um, but above the list of surnames was that verse again, Andy, on that $2 bill, Ecclesiastes 12, with arrows pointing to the numbers 1 and 8 that were in the bill's serial number. All right, what is this, Da Vinci Code at this point? It's right. a national treasure? I think, I don't know, we'll talk about it. But some of the writings on the bill uh, even had alleged uh, Maso- Masonic references. I was right, goddamn Nicholas Cage! Oh my god, here we go. I told you this was a Nick Cage movie! <sighs> he also had a piece of paper with directions to the site where he was found. And the directions were in his handwriting, Andy. You know what? You keep going. I'm just going ahead and writing this script treatment right here. Okay. Going to called Nicholas Cage's agent. <laughs> Medical investigators say that he had been dead for 12 hours when he was found. And there were no fingerprints found at the scene, not even on the gun. Um, On Morgan's hand, though, they did find gunpowder and residue on his left hand, but he was allegedly right-handed. And check this out. He's only been dead for 12 hours. He's been gone for nine days. Okay. WTF, mate. Where you been? (laughs) You got a whole... There's a whole window here. Eight days, bro. Eight and a half days. Fugue state, I'm guessing? I don't know. Eight and a half days. What... I mean, Jesus. Well, no, eight. He was gone nine days when they got the call. I'm saying eight and a half since before he died. He went missing, and eight and a half days passed, and then he died mm-hmm. because of the time of death. Yeah, and then twelve hours later, he's found. That's yeah, it's so crazy that like it's just a weird little frame of time there. And check this out: just because uh, he was shot with his own gun, and there was gunpowder residue on him, the sheriff's department labeled it as a suicide. And for years, really, that seemed to be the end of the Charles C. Morgan case. Um, like I said, it just don't sit right with me, dude. A suicide, a right-handed dude, puts on a bulletproof vest, goes out to the desert, shoots himself in the back of the head with his left hand. And he has a map and he has on a him, map, like a map that's leading to that. where, he's, where he's found. Like yes. It's basically like, almost like it's a meeting point. Yes. Like, I need to be here at this time. Yeah, and then that's where they just find his body with like. But the weird thing is, also with a tr- like a car full of guns and ammunition. Yeah, he's almost like prepared for battle. Like it's almost like he went out there preparing for like a showdown. Exactly, and someone just overpowered him, maybe, possibly and killed or, him with his own gun, or maybe not his gun. But it was the bullet. They confirmed that the bullet. Oh, came yeah, from with his gun. His gun. Yeah, they yeah. did take his gun. I'm just saying, maybe it wasn't like a a shootout that incurred. Somebody had to have maybe come up on him. Like I said, it just seems there like were he's no prepared. fingerprints at the scene. By the way, it just seems like it's like he's preparing for a showdown mm-hmm. with that car there, with the bulletproof vest on, with a gun, bunch of guns and gun or ammunition there. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like you're going out there for a suicide, especially with a hand drawn map. There were to no fingerprints are. on anything. You think that's possible in the seventies? That Get depends no on how well you... on anything? I mean, you can wipe down a crime scene It'd pretty well. It'd have to well. be a pretty organized hit, wouldn't you say? It had to be at least more than one person, probably, mm-hmm. to wipe down all that kind of stuff. And then if you look at, like I said, if you look in that car, that car has multiple guns, cache of ammunition, and there's no fingerprints on any of it, 
That's yeah. just weird. That like everything in those that was it's, super. It's like the it's like the entire thing was wiped down and left for either to to disappear or to be found. Definitely to be found. Yeah, so. absolutely. But was it him that wanted to be found, or was somebody just silencing him? Yeah, you know, trying to send a message. I don't know. So let's get into the theories because that's that's really all we can do. And you know, let's go. There's a few of the most popular ones out there. And number one, surprisingly, I was shocked about this. A lot of people think it really was a suicide. Hmm. They really think it was a suicide. There was gunpowder on his hand, and the gun used was his own. Um, but, of course, Morgan was right-handed, as I said, and the gunpowder residue was on the left hand. It doesn't really make sense for him to use his left hand to shoot himself in the back of the head, but I don't know. Uh, furthermore, the crime scene suggests the presence of someone else. Um, think about the tooth, right? How did the tooth... And why fold it up and put it in the claw in the back seat? Like mm-hmm. it's such a weird place to put it. And then, um, of course, people bring up the sunglasses that didn't belong to him. I mean, it it is odd, but like I said, that could have belonged to him. But could he have pinned the two dollar bill to his underwear? Yeah, he could have pinned the two dollar bill to his underwear. Mm-hmm. But the two dollar bill wasn't in his handwriting. And what's with all the Spanish surnames? I mean, maybe you're, you're he already... was trying to draw attention to certain people with this suicide. I, I think so. The Spanish surnames aren't as curious to me. They do sound like a list of people he's maybe either meeting or names he needs to remember. Because it, it, it almost seems like it's hidden away. It's like, I don't want this to be found on me unless unless I'm dead. Yeah. Like, I don't want someone robbing me and taking this away. Right, right. So it's it's in a hidden place. It's taped in his underwear. But I feel like maybe the, the tooth thing makes me, it, for me, it leans towards some form of mental instability, of some sort of like mental break or some form of like, Maybe he pulled his own tooth out thinking that it was like a tracking device or some sort of like drug-induced. Oh, like paranoia. Yeah, yeah because okay. he's talking about working for the CIA and working as an as an agent, as in a secret agent, and he's going to meet these people. And at the time, you have to think about this is the 70s. This is the middle of the Cold War. Yeah. This is the time when people have cyanide capsules and people are worried about the, the Russians. People are tracking them and satellites and all these different things. So, right. It kind of leans to that, almost like he pulled his own tooth out as like a, this must be the one they're tracking me with, or this must have something in it. Right, but to right. to leave it wrapped in the back of the car, it seems like either he just did it. Yeah. Or it was like he did this to like show somebody, he's like, I pulled the tooth out, here it is. Yeah. It's just oh, weird. Oh, yeah, he it, could have. It's weird that saying. he would have kept it with him in the car. It like is. if he thinks it's a tracker, it's like, why yeah. would he pull the tooth You just debunked your own theory. Well, it's like, it's almost like he was bringing it to show them. Like I oh. pulled the tooth, like here's, here's your tracker. I've already pulled it out. Like, yeah. And then like, that's, it's, it's in the back of the car or something like that. It's like, he, okay. Cause Possibly. it's like, he knows he's going to meet somebody at this place. He's got this direction. He's got this map. He's got these list of names. Right. Right. All right. Well, I found this really interesting Reddit post. Uh, it's by Lottie da underscore underscore Lottie da. I have linked it in the sources below the description and they have a pretty interesting explanation uh, to the suicide. They also believe that it's suicide. So I'm just going to read straight from this post. It's pretty self-explanatory, um, but because they bring apart, they bring about a lot of great points. It, it says, you certainly could kill yourself the way the suicide option claims. If you didn't want it to be known, you killed yourself, and it ain't that hard to do it. Many people probably picture an arm going outwards with the gun right side up, and that works just fine. All you need to do is turn your head fully as far as you can away from the gun, aim back at, aim at the back of your head. 
Now, if for whatever reason you don't want to turn your head to do it, you can also simply reach your arm upwards and out a bit, bend your elbow at more than 90 degrees, and in doing this, you simply turn the gun kind of upside down and a bit sideways behind your head. Yeah, we and, both just instinctively were yeah, doing I, this as he's talking. <laughs> I, yeah, this we don't have video for this episode, but I feel like a lot of listeners yeah, are I doing you this guys as get you're it. talking. Kind of like raise your hand up, you know, like you're going to wave at somebody, and then you just make the gun, and then you just tuck it behind the ear. Like it's totally possible, and I mean, you don't have to be super coordinated with a hand to pull a trigger. Um, now it goes on to say that that was that was not part of the post. That was us. Mm-hmm. Dang yeah. it, Andy. <laughs> All right, back to the quote. There's really nothing at all hard about either of these actions. Very doable. To the first part of the story, painting someone's throat with nearly any drug will certainly get them high. Yeah, see, I agree with this. The vast majority of drugs don't need to be ingested. They just need an in route to the bloodstream, and the throat would absolutely absorb that drug. So that is entirely nonsense. Right from the get-go of his entire weird spell before his death, he started off by bullshitting right there. From then on, I believe nothing else from him. I think it was suicide personally. And I think the fake suicide was meant to throw off the trail of his criminality and make it seem like people were after him to gain sympathy in his death. I think he was scared of getting caught for money laundering, and he could have easily wound up in prison, and maybe he thought the police were on to him. All right, so I'm going to pause right there in the post, because the other points that they make we haven't quite got to in the episode yet. So let's go back through these other theories, and then we'll we'll go back and refer to the post when it's relevant. Okay, so... The second theory is Morgan was killed due to being in the Secret Service. This is what I started off believing, Andy, but I'm I'm not so sure. Morgan was not definitively in the Secret Service, but if he was, as he said to his wife, it's possible that this led to his murder. Morgan allegedly had done escrow work for organized crime families. Shortly before his death, Morgan testified in a secret state investigation on illegal activity on both sides of the Arizona-Mexico border. And he was a reluctant witness for the Arizona Attorney General's office in the questioning of a now-closed Tucson bank. Maybe Morgan was alluding to this case when he told his wife that he'd been undercover with the Treasury Department. I don't know. Uh, One of Morgan's daughters, Megan Heidi, has stated, quote, My father had a lot of information about people here in Tucson that could have been very detrimental. There was a lot of information about politicians and people who are still alive that work in our government. He had that information, and they wanted to silence him, end quote. Mm. Okay, so his own daughter said that. That's kind I mean, of interesting. True. I mean, that's that. yes, you do. All, you, you have to understand probably or believe that like a, a child wants to believe the best of their parent, and they Absolutely. don't want to believe that their parent would, commit, would take their own life. But at the same time, it does make it. Do, there is some credibility to this. Like, oh, he was working with the Treasury Department. He was on. He was on record as testifying in this secret case right here. So, like. There is some credibility to whether or not that somebody may have silenced him or somebody may have actually done some things to him right? to maybe at least threaten him to actually when he, when he did get abducted the first time. So yeah, I, I don't know. Um, so let's move on to the third theory. Morgan was murdered because of some other illicit activity. Two days after Morgan's death, right? The woman called uh, who calls herself Green Eyes, called the Pima County Sheriff's Department and claimed to be the same woman who had contacted Morgan's wife before. Green Eyes said that she met Morgan in a motel before he died. The Pima County Sheriff's Department had confirmed that Morgan had been staying in a Westside motel for over a week before he was shot. So that's those eight days. Green Eyes said that Charles showed her a briefcase full of thousands in cash, which he claimed 
was to buy him out of a contract that the mob had put on his life. Following her husband's death, Ruth had a visit from two men claiming to be the FBI. She said that they flashed their identification quickly and basically tore the house apart and left. But she never learned what they were looking for or if they even found it. It didn't seem to her that they found anything. But almost 13 years after Chuck's death on February 7, 1990, an episode of NBC's Unsolved Mysteries covering the case aired. This caused a shit ton of incoming calls that helped Don Devereaux, a journalist for Unsolved Mysteries, piece together that Morgan had been involved in money laundering and large transactions with gold and platinum sometime between the years of 1973 and his death in 1977. Now, Morgan was dealing with upwards of a billion dollars worth of gold alone. There were also possibly undercover CIA agents involved, trying to pocket money for themselves. Allegedly, exiled Vietnamese government officials were involved, as well as people from the Department of Defense. Morgan was also linked to a money laundering scheme with fraudulent real estate, and one of Morgan's clients was a mafia crew centered around Joseph Banano? Banano? Yeah, I think Joseph actually... Joseph Banano! Yeah, the Banano crime family. Yeah, Joseph Banano Sr. Uh, Devereaux also found that Morgan kept copies of all the illicit transactions made, thinking that that could save him in the future. No! I mean, that's mm. never going to save you. It's going no. to give that's you some gonna, leverage for a bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it does lend credence to the idea that Morgan was silenced. A similar crime occurred around the airing of Unsolved Mysteries episode that exposed most of Morgan's criminal activity. On May 14, 1990, at 11 p.m., Phoenix, Arizona resident Doug Johnston left for his night shift at a computer graphics company. He was found dead an hour later in his company's parking lot, slumped over in the front seat of his car. He was shot behind the left ear. It was determined that the gun had been around 12 inches away from Doug when it went off, much like Morgan's. Authorities believe that Doug committed suicide. However, Doug was right-handed, and the bullet was behind the left ear, just like Morgan. Also, no gun or gun residue was found at the scene of the crime, but they did find a 25 caliber bullet casing. The medical examiner said the shot could have been self-inflicted or the work of someone else. Doug's widow said that he would have never committed suicide. If he committed suicide, where's the gun? Yeah, like I said, Where how do you get is a- the gun? You don't shoot yourself and then throw the gun away. This isn't a disposable, like a decomposing it's, gun. It's, this gun will self-destruct after firing. Where is the gun? Yeah, but, but looks like a suicide to me. Shot three times, back of the head, no gun at the scene. But but this Cut is and dry. <laughs> <laughs> but this is why I even mentioned this murder at all. You're like, who cares about this guy, Michael? Well, curiously enough, Don Devereaux, the guy from Unsolved Mysteries who was discovering it. He lived across the street from the site where Doug Johnston was murdered. And here's where it gets real coincidental. Johnston's car, a Toyota station wagon, was very, very similar to Devereaux's. Devereaux also claimed that he had a conversation with another journalist who received a warning from the CIA. Now, this trusted CIA source said that the killing of Doug Johnston was a botched job and that the bullet was meant for Devereaux. This CIA authority had also claimed that there were still contracts out for Devereaux's death. These threats may have occurred because of Devereaux looking into the death of Charles C. Morgan. I'm sorry, is this just a, a cool CIA agent who's just like, ah, oh, yep, sorry, that was a botched hit. Yeah. We were actually coming for you. Yeah, we're still coming uh, for you. I think Devereaux's full of shit. I feel like that's um, just the weirdest like friend in the CIA who's like telling somebody like, oh yeah, yeah, we botched that. 
I mean, we're still going to try. Right. This right. isn't like Fidel Castro where you're like, oh, we're on assassination attempt number 48. Right. Like I said, this is apparently the first time you tried to kill someone who was looking into something they shouldn't have been looking into and you accidentally killed a civilian. Like I said, this right. isn't like, it this doesn't isn't, add uh, up. This is the weirdest casual well, you, conversation. You sound from like a you're CIA not convinced. Agent. You sound like you're not convinced, Andy. I got a little more evidence here, okay? Um, if you're still not convinced that people looking into Morgan were being silenced, a writer from Washington, D.C. named Dan Casalero had reached out to Devereaux asking for information on Morgan's gold transactions. But before Devereaux could send the information, Casalero was found dead in a hotel room in the bathtub with his wrist cut deeply, approximately a dozen times each. Police ruled it a suicide. Dan Casalero's brother, a doctor, said that Dan was so squeamish he could barely let his brother prick his finger, let alone slice his own wrist. Um, so that doesn't really add up with the method of suicide. But, I mean, that is a weird coincidence, right? Uh, no, 12 times? Like, to, to cut your wrists a dozen times in the bathtub is yeah. a lot. Yeah, that's to, I mean, like, if you're, intense, if, you're cutting, if you're cutting to end your life... A dozen times is a lot. If you're cutting as a as a form of self-pain and cutting, right. that's different. But these are wrists. These are suicidal cuts, apparently. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, how many times are you getting cut? How many times have you been like, nope, that wasn't it. Nope, that wasn't it. Yeah, nope. What are you, like I don't a new know, nurse trying to get a vein? <laughs> they probably suffocated him and then slid his wrist in the tub, right? It sounds something like that, yeah. or just kind of like knocked him out, drugged him up, something like that, just... I don't know. It's one of those weird, like it sounds, it's such a, it, it seems like just such weird a timing. weird mafia hit. It's weird timing too. But the timing is totally built around this story from Devereaux. Yeah. If Devereaux is full of shit, which we can't prove any of it, you know, CIA informant, or I spoke with him at this time. Well, I guess we could check and see if those two reporters actually spoke. But did Devereaux even look like... Uh, the guy that was killed instead of him. You know, nobody says anything about that. I doubt they even looked alike. They just said they had Having similar cars. Similar cars is not enough. You don't go, here, kill the guy in the in the blue Toyota. You know, that's not how hits go down. There's like, here's a picture. Yeah, this you're not looking for a after. blue sedan in the park like, right? near this address. Right. That's not how that's, that's not how CIA hits go down. Right, right. But the guy could have got a little overzealous and thought, well, that's the car. That's there's his apartment. That's gotta be him. I, I mean, could have. Yes, if you're guessing that the CIA is a, just a bunch of jumpy hitmen. Yeah. At the yeah. same time, this if this was but, a CIA hit, it is the sloppiest type of botch. <laughs> that's and for him to say like my trusted source at the CIA who told yeah. me had this definite conversation where they were totally coming for me, but they that's took what I'm out. Saying. They shot an innocent civilian what in the a, back of the head. What like, a great way to put yourself in the story, right? Yeah. Come on. But let's go back to the Reddit post here and see what Lottie Da has to say about uh, about Doug's killing. They say, quote, I don't think Doug's killing is related at all. Just a coincidence that he worked across the street. I mean, yeah, him and Don share the same car, but so what? A lot of similar cars out there. Now, if it was two black Honda Civics, then yeah, okay, absolute coincidence. And ain't nobody claiming they actually look alike, which is a huge red flag against Don being the target. Don seems self-important to me. If he was the target at that time, then why is he still alive today? The mafia doesn't just give up when they get the wrong guy. <laughs> that's a that's a great point. Neither does the CIA. The, the, the CIA doesn't either. The mafia doesn't give up. That's, the a, that's CIA, a great yeah, thing. You okay. gotta you gotta survive a lot of assassination attempts for either one of those organizations to throw in the towel. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and then it says, and lastly, two more things. First, 
Don's story is nonsensical and contradicts itself. First, he says that he thinks Chuck was naive and didn't know who he was mixed up with. Then later, he says Chuck was working with the U.S. government and was investigating the mafia for them. To the full extent of writing codes on $2 bills and keeping secret documents. That's full-on undercover work. That's not just lending a helping hand. So which one is it, Don? You can't have it both ways. <laughs> Then it goes on to say, and second, the U.S. government and FBI do not respond to FOIA requests as he so claimed, with the answer that they don't even know the guy. They would simply say yes and give the documents or say no. They almost never explain why they say no. Yeah, they just not like, let me tell you, uh, no, that name, no, I've never heard of him. Hey, Jimmy, have you, you know right. this guy? Nope, doesn't, uh, I can't tell you, no, I, uh, what? No, right, no. And, and, and like I said before, the whole basis of Don's story is, is based on Don. Mm-hmm. Don Devereaux and and what he's written and what he's experienced and and uh in the Reddit post even the last line of it says Don is one reporter in one town just because he hasn't seen it before really doesn't mean much of anything yeah it's true I mean and it is just it's just a small town too like it's not that big a deal yes yeah, so great this I, was a this was a border a town near the border in the seventies there yes we do have documentation of smuggling and drug operations in this yeah. area they've continued to this day we still there's a reason breaking bad came about yeah like there's a reason this this area has been considered a hot area a dangerous area and there has been lots of white collar crime and embezzling and money laundering and things things absolutely things come around yeah but this does it just seems so elaborate. If it's a suicide, it seems like it's the most elaborate, just, let's make it not look like a suicide right. suicide. If it, right. If it's a suicide, why take the eight days, right? Okay. Also, why have someone call your wife and say weird shit? Yeah. Um, why pin things to your underwear? Why not just leave a note? If you have all these things to say and admit, why not just kill yourself but leave the note clear? And yeah. legible. Why leave all these crazy weird clues? Now I have I have another I have another theory that could have possibly went down. Maybe it was a mob hit or a CIA hit or whatever. Um, but they just threw all this extra shit around just to muddy up and confuse the crime scene. Just to make it so overwhelming. They're like, Yeah, let's just put his tooth in the back seat. Uh let's pin this to his underwear. What the fuck? Write some shit on it. Yeah. What are some popular cartel names? Okay, yeah, write those on there. What the fuck? Write some Masonic Temple shit on there too. Just so, you know, just so they don't have any idea. It's like this case has everything and yeah. it shouldn't. That that doesn't seem right because it has so much weird shit. I think the whole thing is just fishy. Yeah, because I feel like if you were if this would if this would have happened modern day, you could have looked at that tooth and you could have looked at the wound in the mouth and been like, okay, was this tooth extracted when he was still alive? Because you could see if there was still if there. Had I mean, blood. obviously, it was folded up. Well, that would have been that would have been if he did it. If Very so, true. Uh, so Very if, true. Like if you're saying like, oh, let's make this look as confusing as possible. Let's pull his tooth out. Let's put it in the back seat. Let's yeah do these they things. Could. So, but I don't know if you could do that back in the seventies. I don't know if you could say like, "Oh, this wound in his mouth was done post mortem." Oh, right? I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. So yeah, and there's another big thing about the whole like whether or not this was a a, a hit or what how someone overpowered him. It's like this this crime scene. They found him later. This is kind of a, in a desert type area. This is a open like this is out in the middle of nowhere. He laid there for twelve hours, allegedly. So it's like how much of the of the crime scene was preserved. Were there still footprints anywhere? Were there tire marks anywhere? Could you see well, his tire marks coming up to the to the to the spot? Like, yeah, 
So what was what was still available at the crime scene in terms of actual evidence? Yeah. So it's a weird thing to look back on in the 70s to be like, how much did they actually, how much diligence did they do? And also, I think leaving these types of things at a crime scene actually helps muddy it up more than you think, because not only informational wise, but also looking around. Like, think about how distracting it is to find such weird shit at a crime scene. Mm-hmm. You know, like putting together all the clues and maybe you do miss a bullet casing laying over here or or a tire track in the distance that stops just short of the crime scene or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Because you're so, so distracted. Like, why is this so, tooth here? Why are yeah. all these guns here? What's why with the $2 the, bill? Why is he wearing What's, a bulletproof vest? Yeah, why, exactly. Is it left-handed? He's right-handed. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, they also didn't find anything about whether they found the bullet casing on the ground or not. Was, was there a bullet casing there? I don't know. Well, they said it was from um, his own gun. Oh, it's from a revolver, though. It's from a three fifty seven Magnum. So never mind, never mind. It wouldn't have ejected the casing, obviously. And um, you would have definitely known which gun that came from. That's a three fifty seven revolver to the head that close. And see, and they say no fingerprints at all. I mean, obviously, his fingerprints were on his car. I'm sure they're not, they're not counting that. But I mean, like, no other foreign fingerprints were found at the scene. But all that tells me is they wore gloves. I mean, duh. Like, you would what the think hell? so. They, I mean, this is a they had man. leather glove in the 70s. They had latex glove they, in the 70s. <laughs> they're not fucking going out here with no... Yeah, but I mean, you're risking latex gloves at a crime scene. I'm not, dude. I don't know, I'm going 70s. leather gloves, bro. These fingertips are not touching anything. And then I'm not taking my arthritis <laughs> medicine when it's courtroom time. These gloves won't fit. You will look... I'm sorry, I'm just venting. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think? If, if uh, you know, feet to the fire, dude, what do you think? What happened? I, like I one. said, I feel like this guy was probably involved in some shady stuff. Like he was okay. involved in some money laundering. So you don't think it's suicide? Now. I don't. I don't feel like it's suicide. I feel like there. If it was suicide, maybe it was forced. Maybe it was like the only way out. Maybe he went out here thinking he was gonna have some sort of last stand, and then it was just like, I've got all these guns. I'm preparing to defend myself, and then it was a, I'm. I don't know what to do, and it was a last. It was just a, you know, a last decision or a last right. chance decision, but. Something about it doesn't really scream suicide because, like I said, maybe the first abduction was an abduction, possibly. Mm-hmm. He comes back, he's got you know zip ties or plastic restraints around his wrists. He says he can't speak. He says he has this you know hallucinogen in his throat. Right. So like, if it's a hallucinogen, is it going to destroy his nervous system but make him trip balls while it and just stay trip balls? If, like if he speaks, so, uh, allegedly. So then it's like, well, if why does it have like a time release? Why does it have like you can't speak for two to three weeks? Why is it not yeah. like, no, we're just going to damage your voice box permanently? Oh, no, we're just going to make you go insane. We're right. Just gonna, they like, could have just damaged his voice box somehow and it took two to three weeks to heal. That's not even that absurd. Yeah. And that's where I, like, I feel like when that, that excuse first comes out, just like that, that comment comes around where it's like that, that his excuse right there seems like bullshit where it's like, I can't speak for three weeks yeah. until I can come up with a good explanation for right, right. some of the questions you're going to ask me. Exactly. Now, the second I, time he goes missing, that doesn't seem like an abduction. That's clearly he's, they have documentation of him staying at a hotel. They know where he's been. And then they see like he shows up with his, is it his car that shows up there? So it's like, yeah, this isn't something that was like, oh no, his car is out front. It's the door has been kicked in. He's been stolen. Right, right. Or like, no, he was, he was hiding. Or it he just, was somewhere, he was somewhere trying not to be found. Yeah. It just seems like there's too many moving parts here for it just to be him. Like if it's just him that orchestrated all this, holy shit. Yeah. Why? Yeah, like I said, the first like part... Just the, to confuse the shit out of us? 
the first when the first abduction is what throws this whole thing off for me. It's like, why did you go missing for three days and then come back, you know, disheveled? I feel like that first Maybe one was an abduction. Maybe he actually escaped. And I then they like had to got, wait for the right time to get him again. I feel like he didn't escape. I feel like he was let go and he was threatened. I feel yeah. like it was clearly one of those like, you're fucked. You cross us again. You try and get away. You're, we're going to kill you. We'll kill your family. Don't say anything. You know, don't say and like, he, he had to come up with these things on the fly. Yeah. But then the next time, it seems like he thought he could get away. Like yeah. he thought he could go to this hotel. He thought he could take some of the money he had stolen. He could get some guns. He could get a bullet. He could disappear and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But it, it either seems like he either, because it also, it's like I said, the, if it is a suicide, it leads to the last chance. Like, this is my only option. Like, if, if I don't die here, they're going to come for my family. They're going to come for my loved ones. Like, yeah. So if I if I do this out here in the in the desert and make it look Maybe, so confusing, okay. it doesn't look like a suicide. Maybe when they dropped him off the first time, they gave him so many days to commit suicide. They're like, yeah, if you don't kill yourself, we're going to do it for you. You have this many days. And so he maybe he was like, okay, first instinct, run, right? So he dipped out, but then they found him nine days later. I feel like he didn't – I don't think it was that. I feel like he had a certain number of days to get a certain amount of money back. Because like I said, like the, the green eyes person says that he uh, showed up with a suitcase full of cash. That's true. So I feel like he was get, he was thrown back home, you know, you know, disheveled, zip tied, or whatever. With get us our money back, you stole money from us. Get right. us all the money back. You have X amount of days, or we're coming for you. Yep. And I feel like that time had run out. I feel like either it was about to run out, and he either didn't know it, he didn't see any other excuses, or yeah. either way out. He That's what I think too. He was given a time limit for something. Yeah. So either all those guns were there for a possible last stand, a possible, if they're going to come for me, I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. But then it possibly came to that, like that moment in the desert of like, I can't do this. I can't fight them. I can't win. Right. They'll come for me. They'll come for my loved ones. They'll come for everyone I've ever known. Like there is no escape. If this was, if this was like a cartel or some sort of smuggling operation or some sort of mafia thing, like yeah, those are scary organizations. Like I said, they're not and someone that just I feel like doesn't attempt and then forgets about you. Right, and I feel like they're more likely to muddy up the crime scene too. Like for instance, I've I've been watching uh, Better Call Saul again, and I just watched a scene the other day where uh, the cartel or not the well, they're not the cartel, but they're a drug institution pretty much and they completely fabricate this crime this crime scene they kill the guy at their place suffocate him take him in the car to the crime scene right put him in his car shoot up the car shoot up the car ridiculously they they dump pieces of tail lights and mirrors and glass just out onto the road in random piles they got bullet casings all over the place they're they're planting they're planting this and planting that and then they shoot in the car like they're driving by right and then, of course, they shoot him. He dies. And then they even well, leave. They shoot him a bunch. Already. Yeah. And then they even leave this other guy who used to be, who used to work with the guy that they killed, who they flipped as a witness. And they shoot him in the stomach to sell it. Yeah. So now you, now you have a witness who told you what happened, too. So you see the extent that they would go to to cover this up? I mean, yeah. and that's just, that was probably thought up in 10 minutes. Imagine if you had a guy that was dealing with billions of dollars in gold. Like, this shit needs... There's a lot at stake here. Mm -hmm. This cover-up's got to be legit or really confusing. Yeah, like I said, this is the... this. If it's a suicide, it's made to look like it's not. Yeah. So, and if it's a, if it's a hit, it's made to look like it's possibly a suicide. 
Right. So, but it's a confusing suicide if yeah, it is. Yeah, it's the gun residue, the gunpowder residue on the hand, man. That's the that's mm-hmm. the smoking gun, no pun intended. Yeah. It really and was there was no money, but there was no money ever recovered. Uh, no. That's the thing. The This witness, this green eyes, says that he had a suitcase full of cash when he talked yeah, to her. Why would she contact anyone? You know, that's what's so weird. Why? Why contact anyone? I feel like it, I feel like he did tell her probably the first time. It would time. have to be, listen, it would have to be to enforce a lie. That's the only reason you would have anyone call, mm-hmm. regardless of who you are, whether you're the mob or the government or, or, or what, right? A cartel. You want someone to call and give information. And I mean, she has a code name, for Christ's sake, Green Eyes. Like, this is not her first rodeo. Like, yeah. she's called and give information before I... I, I or I this, like I said, I feel like this was just somebody he met and he told her, he's like, I need you to call my wife, tell her this, tell her I'm okay. Cause then it, it backs up his story. Like if it's, if someone comes to his wife, is like, where is your husband? She's like, I don't know. Someone, some he's lady. He's okay. Ecclesiastes 12, one through eight. Some lady called me from, you know, I don't know where, told me he's okay. Gave me a Bible verse. I don't yeah, know what this about means. About death. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what this means, but they said he's okay. Yeah. So it's a, it means kinda, he's passed on. Have peace with it. <laughs> it gives like her plausible deniability. Of yeah. Like, so I'm like, I feel like it might be him trying to protect her and give her some sort of peace or something. Yeah. But yeah, why? Why does she have a code name? Why doesn't she? Why does she have a code name at all? I don't know. Why doesn't she just not have anything? Why does she just not remain anonymous? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, That's what makes me think like she's part of these organizations. She's done this type of thing before. Yeah. You know, what possibly I mean? it's a witness or it's a person that they've that organized crime uses just to call and muddy the waters. You would think so. That's a, it's a, it's a very, nothing about this is cut and dry. Nothing about this no. is like, Oh, it's easily this, or it's, it's 90% this, or it's easily 70%. Be one of the most aggravating cases we've ever covered. <laughs> it does because it's yeah. like, we, we, we enjoy the fact that there is no real cut and dry answer, but like, right. We're also kind of, we're also laughing at some of the ideas of like, yep. Suicide clear as day. Like I said, just, yep, oh, yeah. There just it is. like the guy in the, in the first, in the, the second murder. Yeah. It's like, oh, gunshot, back of the head, sitting in his car outside of work. Yep, that's a suicide. Suicide if I've ever seen one. Yep, well, sometimes the gun disappears. That's normal. Sometimes them guns just walk away. That's right. Somebody's like, oh, that guy committed suicide? Can I have your gun? That's a free gun right there. He, I didn't, take say, that gun. he didn't say no. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's free gun. Finders <laughs> keepers, right? Possession <laughs> is nine-tenths of the law. <laughs> right. That's how I feel about my oh my guy, Andy. It's nine tenths of your of your of your uh, of your fragrances. Yes, it's nine tenths Good of, segue. Your, of your. I'm just gonna start aroma. saying things and let you segue into it. You like how I did that? I was <laughs> oh just like, I just threw you out there. Oh my guy has nine tenths of <laughs> Michael's natural <laughs> scent now. He doesn't have any natural scents anymore. Nope. I'm just. Uh, I actually have a special scent. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on the air because uh, I don't know if she makes it for everybody. Because and the only reason I know is because it doesn't have a label. It's just got a little piece of tape on the top. It's Carolina clusterfuck. It's uh, it's pretty close. It's uh, tobacco and caramel. Yeah, I like it. A little bit of smoky, a little bit of sweet. You know what I'm saying? Wacky tobacco and Wacky caramel. Tobacco. <laughs> so yeah, Andy, it is part of my must. Thank you very much. That's Michael's natural scent. <laughs> Wacky tobacco and caramel. But yeah, uh, maybe if you guys uh, ask uh, Wendy over at Oh My Guy, maybe she'll let you guys try some tobacco and caramel. I don't know, or maybe she'll get mad at me for promising. Just don't don't hold me to anything, okay? <laughs> I don't know, uh, but I do know some scents that you can get from Oh My Guy, which is an innovative all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company obviously, but you can get vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside, bergamot, amber, pear, sweet pea, sailor, barbershop, 
And of course, we have our very own scent called True Crime Pine. That's not even all of them, guys. Wendy is always coming up with new amazing scents over there. So make sure you check them out at ohmygaia.com. And because you are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper for 15% off. That's C-R-E-E-P-E-R for 15% off your order. And you can find them on uh, Instagram as well, at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram or ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. And don't forget, guys, to use code word creeper for 15% off. That's like a whole 15. That's almost like 25. It's like almost 20, but it's 15. It's close. It's close. <laughs> It's like I'm negotiating like, yeah. here for a sale. It's like almost 20. It's, it's almost like 20. It's, it's, like it's like basically 50% if you off. think about it, if you make two purchases, you got 30% off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, dude, if you make math. three, you got 45. That's like basically 50% off. That's basically 50, which is half of 100. You're right, right? You know, so, it's basically free. <laughs> half of the time it is. Uh, but yeah, guys, please check out all of our sponsors, uh, any ads that you hear at the show on the show, that helps us very much. It helps support the show, especially Oh My Gaia, because Wendy and Oh My Gaia have been with us for a long time, what, almost six, seven years now. Uh, Wendy gave us a shot early on in our podcasting careers and is still here, and her products are still amazing. So make sure you check that out, ohmygaia.com. There is a link below the description of this episode, as well as a link to our Patreon. Right, Andy? So, if you guys are all caught up on the free platforms, you heard everything we have to offer from our other show, Strange and Unexplained, as well as Sandu Stories. If you're caught up on all that, there is more of all of that on Patreon, patreon.com slash truecrimeguys. There's a link right below the description, where for just two bucks a month, you can hear all of our Vault episodes that are no longer available on the free platform, as well as every Patreon exclusive uh, that we've been doing for the last seven years, every month. So, you get access to all that, and then on the $5 tier, you get access to everything that we've ever created at True Crime Guys. That's just the banter and higher thoughts and Sandu stories and strange shorts. Uh, help me out, Andy. Five-minute murder. Five-minute murder with Lorne. Uh, so many, so much content. Hundreds, literally hundreds of sound files for you on Patreon for just five bucks a month. So... Consider doing that, guys. We appreciate it very much. If you like what we do here, that is a great way to support the show and make sure that we're able to do this for a long time because we really hope we are. We appreciate it. Um, also, you can check out merch. We have links to merch, or you can go to truecrimeguys.com and find all of this stuff, guys. We have everything from stickers to hoodies to T-shirts to beanies, all kinds of stuff. Um, and I think we still have some patches, some custom patches here in stock around the studio somewhere. I'll have to dig them out, but... You guys can hit us up, email us, uh, truecrimeguys at gmail if you're interested in a patch, and we will send you a link via um, email to our PayPal, or you can just go to truecrimeguys.com and click the sticker link there. Uh, what else am I missing, Andy? We got some music on Spotify. Yeah, we still do have some. Yes, I'm still got some. I've, got, I've, I've heard Mastermind so many times like now. It's on one of my <laughs> daily playlists right now. I think it's a banger. Sorry. It's a little plug there, whatever. I <laughs> appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, we just released uh, this, the intro music to uh, our Masterminds episode. If you guys aren't familiar, that is based on the movie, or the, the movie is based on the actual case, rather, with Zach yeah. Galifianakis. Um, but yeah, guys, check that out. But you can listen to all types of music from True Crime Guys. I think we have two full albums and a couple singles out wherever you listen to music. Spotify, Apple Music, um, I don't know, Instagram, music, YouTube, wherever the hell. Hmm. Um, but guys, give that a listen. Uh, follow us on there. We appreciate it very much. Subscribe on YouTube. That helps the show a lot, too. And follow us on social media, 
at True Crime Guys. I yeah. think that's it. I mean, who's even listening still? Uh, I'm, I'm not. still listening to you. Oh, are you? Yeah. Wow. I, mean, I can't I tune on. out. You have the key. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I very can't leave. true. Very true. All right, guys. Well, that's pretty much it for this week. We hope you enjoyed this mysterious case. Please uh, leave us a comment. Send us an email. Hit us up on social media. Let us know what you think about old Chuck Morgan here. What do you? How do you think he met his demise? I'm very interested to uh, to tally up the votes. See what people think. Yeah, I don't think this one's gonna have either up there. I don't think this one's gonna have one way or the other in in a, like I, it's a aggravating. scale tip. Yeah, you really can't. There's just some some parts of the evidence that push it completely one way and some completely the other. That's what's so frustrating about this case. But guys, next week we will be here on the free platform with headlines and shenanigans, and we will be on Patreon with a regular episode. Um, and anything else, Andy? I don't think so, Michael. I think you nailed it. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you next week. Keep creeping. Bye.